0: With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. But you are near, O Lord. And all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Those are verses 145 through 152 of Psalm 119. Verses 145 to 176 are the psalm appointed for today, Wednesday, November the 24th, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you being along today. We are continuing our sort of last look at the prophecies um, of the coming of Messiah, the coming of the King um, it, the, prior to Advent, beginning next week. And so we are today looking at Obadiah uh, verses 15 to 21. There's only one chapter in Obadiah. Um, also in First Peter, the second chapter of the first 10 verses there as well as Matthew's Gospel chapter 19 verses 23 to 30. So let's get started and look at what Obadiah has to say. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return upon your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow, and shall be as though they had never been. So the nations that have come against Israel, the ones who have persecuted God's people, uh, now what, ha- what they have done to God's people will be done to them as well. And, and that will be true in the end of all things. In, in, in Revelation, what we see is the, the recapitulation of this in the end times towards God's people, the Christian world. We see that same sort of reversal of fortunes coming upon them, that God will repay all that they have done to his people. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape, and it shall be called holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. So it's this is a word against the house of Esau, and so Jacob, remember, is Esau's brother. And so Esau, in this case, stands largely for those who, are, who refuse to be in the covenant community, those who have forsaken the Lord and gone their own way. <clears throat> they shall burn them and consume them. It's not a pleasant end of all this, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. So the all that will be left will be God's people, and and we know that from reading the book of the Revelation over the last several weeks. We've seen that ultimately all are destroyed, and yet, lest you come to the conclusion that God is a cruel, vengeful God, remember that m- most of the stuff that you see in Revelation are signs in the heavens, and those signs are given to people that they might repent, and they don't. And so that's the one thing that people um, get confused about when they say, you know, "I, I don't think I could worship a God who would send people to hell. And the reality is, is that God doesn't send people to hell. He gives them every opportunity not to choose that before the end. And that's the main issue. And and, and if you reject God, because he had, there's something called justice there, and there's righteousness, and there's holiness there, then that's fine. But if you want to reject him for sending people to hell, then you need to understand how that process works, and that that's a choice. You, you're given an opportunity to repent. You're given an opportunity to, to come to him. And he makes it as easy as possible, right? He sends his son to die on a cross. So that you might have life simply by believing in his name. And if that's too difficult for you, then that's really not God's fault or problem. And, and I think that's the main issue we as Christians need to deal with and need to be upfront about. And that is is that he couldn't make it any easier. And so anybody who, who ends up in hell literally made a choice that they chose not to follow him. They chose not to accept God's way and instead decided they could do it their own way. Not an option. Not an option. There's only one option, and that is Jesus. Period, end of sentence. And so um, the fact that there's no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken, says exactly what this whole thing begins with. As you have done so it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. And that's an unpleasant thought. But who sent you to hell? Read that. Who did it? You did. As you have done, so it will be done to you. And it goes back to the the C.S. Lewis quote that I've made several times, and that is is that, that there are some people who say to God, your will be done, and there are others to whom God has to say, your will be done. And that's the way that it works. So those are the Negev. The, it's, the Negev is a desert. So it's an arid desert slash semi-desert. So those who live there shall possess Mount Esau. And there is a Mount Esau southwest of Jerusalem. And those of the Shephila, which are the lowlands, they'll possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, which is the... the sort of the northern-western area all the way over to the other side of Galilee into the the northeastern part of the land. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead, which is the land just on the other side of the Jordan. <clears throat> the exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites, who have been gone for a long, long time in the land, as far as Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem, who are in Sepharov, sephirad shall possess the cities of the negev saviors shall go up to mount zion to rule mount esau and the kingdom shall be the lord's in other words the land all the land will be restored to god's people and so the the new heavens and the new earth are when we see that fully realized is in the new creation and we do know that no matter how long judgment is delayed that we know judgment will indeed come you know, it's been 2,000 years since the time of Jesus, and yet we are still praying, waiting, and hoping for his coming again. Hopefully, what we're also doing is working towards his coming again in, in order to fulfill the work of John the Baptist, which is to prepare people to greet him. In Matthew's Gospel today, Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And This is after he has... Uh, Given the rich man an option about how he can follow him. One thing you lack, and that is you've got to sell everything you own and give that to the poor and then come and follow me. Jesus gave him an opportunity to become a disciple, and he gave it on the same terms that he gave all the other disciples. They had to leave hearth and home. They had to do exactly what Abraham had to do in order to follow God. They had to walk away from everything that was familiar to them and come and follow him. And so, So it happens that this guy— Jesus actually offers him the opportunity to come be one of his disciples, and he turns him down because his possessions were too great. Well, the disciples had possessions as well. They had futures, they had careers, they had all those things, and they walked away from them at the opportunity to follow Jesus because they saw that what they really wanted, what they really looked for, the thing that was the desire of their heart, was to see the kingdom. And the rich young ruler decided that that was not what he actually really wanted. He he wanted it only if he could well keep what he had. The disciples made an up uh, a decision. To walk away from everything that was familiar and everything that they had, everything that would have defined their lives for the rest of their lives. They walked away from all of that in order for the opportunity to follow Jesus into a new future. Now, did they understand that future completely from the beginning? Absolutely not. They thought that it was going to lead to, to you know being at the right and left hand of a king. Um, But they continued that walk, and they continued after his death and after the resurrection and the ascension and the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost, they continued to follow at the risk of their own lives, day after day after day. They knew that there was another kingdom, the kingdom that would come. They they knew and were, were convicted and convinced because of what they had seen that there was actually resurrection from the dead and so this life didn't hold the same allure for them that it had before because they knew there was something greater than that so when here jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of god when the disciples heard this they were greatly astonished saying who then can be saved in if told you before, that the reason they would say that is because they believed in a certain kind of a health and wealth gospel that was not wrong in the same way that it's wrong for us as Christians to believe in it in the same way. Because back then, in that time, the blessing of God would have indicated something about who you were. And so the fact that God was blessing you sort of meant that you were somebody God liked a lot. And so they're confused by Jesus's words here. Jesus looked at him and said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. So God's going to make a way for them to get into the kingdom. But, but the way is, is to renounce, at some level at least, everything else for the sake of the kingdom. And God, So God can make a way, and he makes a way through Jesus to get there through faith in him. But he also makes a way by giving his Holy Spirit to change the things that we desire so that we might actually desire what God promises. So the natural man won't choose that, but the spirit-filled man or woman will choose that. Peter said in reply, See, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Uh, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. How's that sound, fellas? That sounds pretty cool. I'm ready for that new world now. I'm, I'm ready for my throne. I'm ready to do that. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So, so what is it that is your uh, sumum bonum here? What is it you're looking for most, Peter? And we constantly, I think, have to evaluate that. I think we're called constantly to, to evaluate our priorities in life. And, and here, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. And as I've said before, this, this having a hundredfold brothers, sisters, houses, mothers, father, children, lands, all that kind of stuff, the way that I possess those things is because I'm in the family of God. And so other Christians who possess those things will share those things with me. That's the way we're called to live. We're called to live with open hands with everything that we have. And that's what Jesus means by saying if you've left all these things, then you'll receive a hundredfold more plus eternal life. But you've you got to give up your ownership in these things in order to be able to receive those. In the passage from First Peter, First Peter 2, 1 to 10, he says, So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. I mean that doesn't you doesn't seem like you really need somebody to command you to give up malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander does it I mean those don't seem like things that most people would hang on to but people do I've been around 60 years now and so I've certainly seen people who carry around a lot of all those things malice deceit hypocrisy envy and slander it doesn't matter how old you are either, because I've seen people of all ages who are hanging on to all those kinds of things. And he says, no, don't be those people. <laughs> like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that it, by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. That pure spiritual milk it is the gospel, but it's more than the gospel. Everything is the gospel, but but there's so much to know, because everything is the gospel. Everything is the good news. So everything that you read in Scripture, everything you know about Jesus, everything you experience is the gospel once you have become one of his own, because everything is good news. You can see him in everything that goes on around you all day long. You can see the other stuff the malice and the deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, if you want to see that, well, then go to court someday. And you can see it all day, every day. But but we need to be those people who are innocent and who drink that pure spiritual milk, that we reject all those other things so that we can grow up into our salvation because we have tasted that the Lord is good. And so we crave more and more and more of that, that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can become more and more like him and experience more and more the love of the Father. As you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer sacrifices spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ and these is all these are all scriptural old testament images that Peter's laying out here for them all these everything that he's saying in this entire passage you can find in the old testament and he's he, what he's saying is is that that you are part of the covenant community now and that covenant community nothing about the characteristics of the covenant community change just the who's the members, and how they get to become members of the community have changed. That's the only difference. But God's expectations for that community are no different and no less, certainly, than his expectations for the community have always been since the formation at Mount Sinai. And he says, so you're being built up into that spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. That's exactly what God's people were called to be in the Old Testament as well. It's exactly what God said about them that you're a holy priesthood. But he says you're, you're offering spiritual sacrifices because there are no more sacrifices. The final sacrifice was Jesus' offering of himself on the cross. And now no further sacrifice is needed, necessary, or even acceptable to God. No further sacrifice is acceptable to God. That's the end of that sacrificial system. And so we always go back and we plead the shed blood of Christ for our repentance and for our forgiveness. And then he goes on to quote more Scripture. It stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Well, that's Isaiah 28. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's Psalm 118. So what he's saying is, is that, that here, that you don't understand something, that the one that was rejected by the builders, the builders would be the Jews. <clears throat> that one is actually the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And Jesus says that about them. Blessed are those who do not find offense or stumbling in me. And that's the stone of stumbling. <laughs> the Greek word for that is scandalon. So they find it a scandal. And so they stumble over that. And it's the thing that Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians when he says that that it's an offense to Jews, this this crucified Christ. And that all comes from Isaiah 8. They stumble, Peter says, because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the first part of that, the chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession, that all comes from Exodus 19 when God tells them who they are. And what it means to be his chosen people, what it means to be the ones who, are, who he has chosen out of all the earth, is that they are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. But then Peter adds the mission that we have, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it's the same job that the Jews had before that, because they were called out of darkness, out of slavery in Egypt, into the freedom of in the land. But what do we see first, though, when they build the tabernacle and when they build the temple? This marvelous light that fills both those things. It's just kind of glory of God. And then he finally ends up here with, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that's just a straight-up quote from Hosea. Those are Hosea's children's names and the reversal of those names whenever they come back into the covenant whenever god chooses to bring them back in and so peter's quoting all these old testament scriptures and applying those things to the new covenant community which includes a great many jews in the beginning certainly but it but it's made up of those who are found faithful in christ jesus And so if we would pass through judgment and receive the blessing of God, which is eternal life, but it's also life now filled in his spirit, filled with joy, and filled, hopefully, with other Christians as well. And that is the source of our joy and comfort and sustenance in this life, that we have not been left alone. We have his spirit, but we also have brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers and children in the Lord.